Hey guys, so if you watched our last episode of The Christian Contrast, you'll notice that um, it went long. And so we decided to split it into two parts. And so if you haven't listened to the first part, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But this is part two of questions that we took on about marriage and about how we live out marriage as believers in Jesus. I hope you enjoy it. All right, I, I want to ask the third question. And, and this is one that that in some ways is a little bit delicate, but I'm, I'm glad somebody asked. I think it's an important yes. one for us to talk about. The question is, what are appropriate expectations for sex frequency in marriage? Hmm. Um, and, and I'll read, I, I think there is a key passage that that just gives some overall insight into yes. this um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses mm-hmm. 3 through 5. And I'll just read that and then we'll dive into the conversation. It says, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Um, so, it, and that passage is in the, in the overall context of marriage and then into singleness and into, you know, even divorce and remarriage, all those sorts of things. But a, a passage where the Apostle Paul is just spelling out, all right, um, the, the act of sex within marriage is not meant to be something that's ever used as a power play or withholding. It's, it's meant to be something where he goes as far as to say, both husband and wife have rights over each other's bodies, where, where this is something where it's very appropriate. And there's obviously different hurts and frustrations within marriage between men and women about frequency. So, um, you know, there's no passage that says this is the appropriate frequency, but let's just talk a little bit about this and how a couple may navigate this if they feel at odds about this. Mm. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I will just say one word, communication. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would say another word, it's about service, Hmm. and it's not about me. I I also think, what is normal? Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would not use the word normal, because what could be normal for this family, this Mm -hmm. couple, could not be normal for them, because God's wired us so differently. So I think you need to talk as couples about how am I wired? Uh, what is going on in my life physically and sexually. So I, uh, I, I'd really be hesitant with the word normal mm-hmm. in doing that. I think, um, I think you need to plan intentionality. You need to talk about that. Yeah. I also think the word uh, that ought to be in there is uh, where's the romance and not just the sexual intercourse? Mm-hmm. And where is romance without sexual intercourse? I, I know fe- I, I, I'm not a female, but my wife's talked about it doesn't always have to end that way. When can you rub my feet and just rub, rub my feet for rubbing my feet? <laughs> no ulterior motives. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and I go, as a guy, I go, yeah, that makes sense. That everything doesn't have to be one thing leads to another. So where is a guy getting the idea that I'm just going to romance? And what's my wife's love languages? <clears throat> yeah. Well, what and, floats her boat? Well, for sure. And, and one thing, and, and you know, I, it, Summer, maybe you'll weigh in the, uh, again about this because we were chatting about this earlier in the week. But I think, I think it's maybe important with this question to look at it and say, all right, um, sometimes there's there's conflict or there's difference over this um, with two good-hearted people who love e- a husband and wife who love each other and they're just having trouble getting on the same page. And other times 
it's it's a major signal that there's something else going wrong yes. in the marriage. And I know, I think the phrase you had used was bed death. Was that the phrase? Bed wow. death. Bed yeah. death. Bed death is something that occurs where where couples essentially just live as, as roommates. Um, and that just is not um, even an option anymore in right. the marriage. Um, but so... I think there needs to be a whole lot of communication on this because like you said, it varies from uh, marriage to marriage, household to household, as far as what this looks like. Um, there are very real seasons of life where things become far less frequent. After having babies, you know, that's a very different time. You are exhausted, nobody's sleeping, um, let alone touching each other. You know, like it's it's a hard time um, when you're dealing with a partner who has um, a chronic illness. There are some very major times of, of difficulty. Um, when we're dealing with caring for a parent, there's, there's just so much there that's mm. draining. So there are seasons, um, and I think what we what we have to have is communication. Absolutely. If we're checking in with each other and we recognize that this is what it is, and then be intentional to mm -hmm. carve out that time and to and to take care of each other's needs, um, and then also just to be reconnected with each other. Um, but it's so hard. Again, we talked a, a bit about mental load. Mm. Mental load. Um, it is very hard to get in the mood when you are thinking of the next 72 things that have to happen in the next 36 hours. So how can we be intentional um, to make these things happen when you have so much on your plate? Yeah. Uh, to me, something that could get in the way is the 72 things could become the priority instead of her and him being the priority right. as well. So maybe it means less than 72 things sometimes. <laughs> going, no, no, this relationship is key. And so we're carving out R&R &R time so that we're going to say no to some things so we can say yes to each other. Yeah. yeah. But I do. There are seasons where uh, it is just, it's hectic. Right. And so we that's where communication is good going, this is a, this is a tough day for me. This is a tough week for mm -hmm. me. Right. Uh, but also on the other hand, going to the guy or the gal might say, yeah, and let me tell you where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And so again, that communication, oh, sure. That's something you need, right? Yeah, right. I'm climbing the walls or something. Yeah, but when I think, and I do think, you know, <laughs> if if things, you know, if, if things are at the point that this is not just, you know, if, if it's a season, if if you're a husband and it's like my wife is taking care of her ailing mom and sex has not been very frequent, it, you, you, I think right. you can look at that and and you can say, okay, we still want to communicate. But you you can have a lot of compassion and say that this is a unique situation. Yes. This is not our new normal. Right. You know it. And and um. But if you're in a situation where you're like, this is just you know, it, it's not happening. And you know the the guy might feel like I keep asking and I keep getting shut down. And and it's really to the point that you feel like, all right, this is not just that we're two good-hearted people who can't quite seem to figure out a good routine for this right. that's when it probably would be a signal of like all right probably time to to have something else go on you know you know have some more sit down conversation meet with a counselor have something to say all right this is not just the norm there's some other 
level of alienation that probably seems to have happened here because because it's you know it's not just a seasonal thing um, but then i'd say if it does seem like you know you're having these conversations and the husband you know i, I mean i'm stereotyping because sometimes the wife wants sex more than the husband you know yeah. the the stereotype is a stereotype for a reason but yeah. but so if somebody's listening to this and you're like we're the opposite you can translate this you know in your head but to say, um, if you're in a situation where the the husband is like, hey, I want to be sensitive to where I'm not exhausting you. And the wife is saying, I want to be sensitive to where I'm not withholding from you. Then it's like, all right, that's great. You know, your your hearts are in the right place. Then you you may just want to, it, to sit down and to talk about like what would be great for you or what are the roadblocks. Um, I, I've used this before. That there's no magic number, but but Lauren, you were talking about normal. But what I've what I've tried to say at different times is to say um, here might be a signal that that as a husband or as a wife, you're not being reasonable because um, we don't always know because we don't talk to a lot of other couples. Like, what's your frequency? So I've said if you're a guy and you're having sex with your wife twice a week and you're like she's holding out on me, no, she isn't. Like many men would would climb mountains to be in your situation. So, mm -hmm. so just to say, it, it, if you're saying, but I want more, that's great. Sit down and talk about it. I'm not saying you can. I'm just saying, like, it's not reasonable for you to say my wife is withholding from me mm -hmm. in a situation like that. If you're a wife and you're like, I don't know what his problem is. We had sex two months ago. You're, you're not being reasonable. Like, you know, that that's now, now you may have a husband that, you know, his, his needs are not as frequent and that's okay. But to say that's, you're, you're not being realistic with what's kind of more within the realm of normal. And so to say, all right, there might be some signals where we might think, cause we're not talking to others. I'm being very reasonable and you'd find out I'm actually not. And I need to make some adjustment here. Um, and then for the guys, and this, this goes along with the whole, there's something we can do. Um, man, what, what you were saying uh, summer about the mental load. I just, that I've, I've heard that a lot. I know you are really speaking the truth on that. And so as men, if we can say, I want my wife, not only to have sex with me more, I want her to want to have sex with me more. There are things you could do to make that much more frequent and much more likely. Do the dishes. Do the dishes. Yeah, there's the, <laughs> there's a whole book by Kevin Lehman called Sex Starts in the Kitchen. Yes. And, and so just to say, okay, there are things I could do there. You know, I, I could, you know, I could start the day if, if I'm like, hey, tonight, I'm really wanting us to, to be together sexually. Um, you could you could plant the seed the night before, like, hey, how about tomorrow night? And you could even, you know, if you really want to do it, you could say, hey, tomorrow night, all, all I'm going to do all the dishes and I'm going to do all the, the bedtime stuff with the kids. And, you know, and then there's a text in the middle of the day and then, you know, maybe flowers are like, there's lots of things that you can do, especially like it, there's different stages, but especially if you're talking about like a mom who's spending a day with kids and there's diapers and there's meals and all this stuff th that could go a huge way of feeling of her feeling like, Hey, my husband really loves me and he really treasures me and he really wants me. And wow, I, I, I'm ready to go. And, and so there are things that we as men can do apart from complaining to try to put ourselves in a better situation. Cause I, I just, I know of a lot of couples where nobody's trying to hold out on anyone, but it's just, it's that there's a gap between where they want to be and where they are. And there's things that as wives we can do, you know, and, it, sometimes I, I think we could say like, hey, wife, you just need to know your husband like has needs and thank God that he wants you. And that's good. You know, wives need to adjust. Husbands also need to adjust on this and say, um, like, 
court your wife in a way that she's really excited about this. And also in the bedroom, you know, and that there are good books on this. If you're finding out, you know, one of the hindrances from her is she loves you and she wants to take care of your needs, but she's not necessarily having a great time. She's, she's not walking away from this saying, I really experienced something wonderful sexually. That might be another roadblock that you can say that amongst men, there could be a skill building thing in this to say, mm-hmm. how do I sexually, how do I love my wife in a way that she's having a great time during sex, not just sort of doing something nice for me? Yeah. I, I really relate to the idea that dishes can be romance. Oh, yeah. And so make sure you broaden. I would encourage the guys to broaden your definition of romance. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I call setting the stage. And it doesn't have to. And again, can you do romance without still having to one sexual intercourse Hmm. and just be romantic all the time? And uh, I think that creates a wife that uh, becomes much more pliable, much more willing to go. This guy really cares about me in a holistic way. Yeah. I think sex is an overflow of um, a healthy connection. And that's when we're connecting emotionally and spiritually and then physically. Um, so when when there is a lack in that connection that's taking place, there is more than likely, it's a symptom of something yeah. that's deeper, some type of connection that's been broken. Um, and 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 it's, it's fixable. Mm-hmm. It can be mm-hmm. fixable. Um, and sometimes that's just a matter of having a conversation and saying, hey, you know, I'm not super happy with the way things have been happening recently. Can we talk a little bit about it? I want to understand. Um, and then sometimes you get to a point where you might need outside help to come in. It might be a conversation. There might be something deeper going on. I know um, the the complaint can be the frequency of the sex, but when we actually pull that away, and there's a broken emotional connection, mm-hmm. some kind of something that might feel like a betrayal or feeling unappreciated or taken advantage of, it can break that willingness to engage sexually. So um, communication. Yeah, 100%. Huge. Well said. Um, all right, question number four. And this is a broad one, but, but we'll all touch on this. Um, how can couples better handle conflict? within marriage. So I know this one in some ways is just wide open. Um, but what are some thoughts just on how couples can better handle conflict within marriage? Well, you've, you've yeah. got something. Yeah. Go Lauren's ready to lead no, us. I'm uh, no. just digging through some scriptures. Go ahead. Um, I think part of it is naming what matters. Hmm. Um, I know you both have mentioned at some point, um, you know, a mountain or a molehill. And being able to weigh those things out, but naming what matters. If if you're having disagreements regularly over dishes, um, <laughs> why? Does it has it been a family value that we cook and eat at home and use the um, use the china, um, or is what matters that we have a meal together, mm-hmm. and is it okay to say? You know, we're going to do paper plates. Um, naming what matters really changes mm. the direction that things go in. And sometimes we haven't named what matters. And so we're both operating independently with our own thoughts of how things should be done. And they're not aligning. And that creates friction, um, unnecessary friction. 
Romans 12, 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, mm. live at peace with all. Um, I somehow was born, I'm not, not my parents, just inside of me, I was born and raised to win. <laughs> if you're on the one-yard line, I'm not going to let you in. <laughs> and when you bring that into marriage, that is a lose-lose situation. Mm. Having to be able to undo the stuff in my life to be able to say, this is not about winning. Mm. Uh, I, I don't need to win over this argument. Uh, how do we find middle ground? How do we compromise? Um, yeah, how do, I, uh, how do I consider her? Not just me. How does she, can she win and be a win-win? And so a, a lot of it is with our pride yeah. that we've got to just undo and strip away and go, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to find a middle ground in this. I think there are some things that are very big, big blocks in our lives and our marriage that we have to have deep, deep discussions. And like both of you have said, we might need help to do that. But most of the time, we we are making a motto in our marriage is there are a lot of things not worth having conflict over. There's a lot of things to have wonderful conversation about, but this is not the end of the earth. Okay. We also found our personalities are so different. Mm-hmm. And how we approach major decisions or major things, we had to learn to understand. She sees it entirely different than I do. Yeah. And when I would come up with my thing, she would look at me like, "Going, do you have a brain in your head?" Then she, re- but then she began to realize that it's because of how God wired me—not right or wrong—that oh, <laughs> you just see it differently, don't you? Oh, good. So that that our opinions are not right or wrong; they're just our opinions. And so that's been a whole growing experience that just you got to work at. And uh, so, to me, those are some of the key things about conflict. Mm-hmm. Well, and something you said, Summer, maybe in a slightly different applied way, relates to to something that I wrote down, which was, um, which relates to the whole idea of what really matters. Um, and it, there was a season of time where Karina and I were having a lot of conflict and just having trouble kind of finding each other's hearts. And a thing that uh, apparently I, I eventually came to believe her was happening frequently is that she would be expressing to me, you know, a, a problem or a frustration. Um, and I would, I would hear the whole conversation and I would sort of walk away thinking, okay, I know what she wants me to do. I wouldn't tell her, but I, but I would, I would say, all right, I know what she wants me to do. And, uh, what I would come to find out later, the way she would describe it is sort of like, I heard one thing, I glommed onto it and, and I just assumed that was the most important part of what she said or the core. And it often wasn't, I was bad at discerning what is really the core concern here. And so it got to a point where, and, and I still try to do this, um, where I'll, I'll try to say, okay, here's what I'm hearing. It sounds to me like this is at the heart of things. And still, I'd say, you know, I don't know, 40 to 60% of the time, my first shot of it is wrong. Okay. But when I do that, she appreciates it because she knows I'm trying to get at it. I'm trying to figure out what's most important. And, and I think in general, as couples, um, first of all, we've got to go into it. And th- this is to your point, Summer. We've got to go into it saying, what really is important to me? Because there are times where, where it would not be healthy to not bring something up. Yes. And, and sometimes it can be as simple as just, you know, hey, um, would you mind when you ask me to do this, saying it this way instead of this way? And it might be a big nothing, like, oh, no problem. I'll do that. 
Um, but in a conflict to be able to communicate like, here's why this is so important. You know, mm -hmm. the, the reason why this is so important to me is because when you say it this way, I feel disrespected. Or the reason why this is so important to me is that when, when, you, when, you, know, when you have three drinks, I start to get really concerned about, you know, uh, our finances or about what you're gonna, you know, so to be able to get at the heart of it and then to try to train ourselves to even ask and listen to each other and figure it out. Because I think sometimes we, we can get into the cycle of just missing each other because we assume like, I know why she's saying this to me and I know why he's saying this to me. So I think it, if we can get good at listening and then also be willing to ask that follow-up to say, you know, it sounds to me like this is why this is really important to you. And then be willing to hear, actually, no, that's not it, it's this. But but to get to that, I think that can help us get out of some of the bigger conflict things that just go on and on. And to say, this keeps coming up, maybe there's something bigger behind it, and maybe if if I knew, if I knew this is why this bothers her so much. Um, there are times where I think, and it probably happens with women too, but with guys where I know like, we think we fixed the problem she brought up, <laughs> And then we're mystified when the problem keeps getting brought up. Right. And so I think there are ways to say, all right, we're, we're not going to have a perfect record, but there's ways for us to try to figure that out so that she's not in a situation where she's like, are you kidding me? You didn't solve this. And he's like, what? I can't do anything right, which is a frequent husband <laughs> refrain. You know, ah, I, I tried. She told me to do this. I did it. It still wasn't enough. Maybe it wasn't enough because you, you misdiagnosed what was really going on. Right. Well, I think everything that you've just mentioned in that in that connection um, is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And if we can't be vulnerable with our person, who who are we going to be vulnerable with? And um, and so dropping those walls and being able to have that conversation, it it takes you being vulnerable, but it also takes your spouse validating the emotions that you're expressing. You may not agree. It doesn't matter. It's not about you agreeing. It is this person saying, hey, I feel really lonely when you go out on a Friday evening with your friends. Mm -hmm. I feel lonely. It's not attacking the thing that he's doing. It's naming the emotion. Mm -hmm. And by validating that and saying, oh, wow, like that must be hard. I, you've disarmed yeah. them from yeah. building that wall up against the vulnerability again. Yeah. So we're creating deeper connection. That is the goal, to be more deeply connected. Years ago, there was an incredible phrase that came into my life, and I needed to look at my wife and say, this is my friend. And then I was asked to evaluate how I treated, at that time I was coaching, how I treated the players on my team, or how I treated the students in the classroom, or how we might treat the people in our life group, or in our congregation. And do you know that they were getting better treatment yeah. than my yeah. wife? Right. I was holding her to a standard I would never hold anybody else to. And so I keep trying to remember from that day on, this is my friend. Mm -hmm. This is not the enemy. Mm -hmm. And I, we often treat each other like the enemy. Right. And, I, and so that little phrase has just been so helpful. This mm -hmm. is my friend. How do, how do I treat friends? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I giving, giving the benefit of the doubt is mm -hmm. always so important. Because when you walk in to 
a conversation with your spouse and you already are fired up about something, typically you've filled in the dialogue that hasn't been spoken. That's right. You've already filled it in. You already know how the story ends. You've got it in your head. When we haven't even given them the opportunity to talk, to explain, to give their own version of the dialogue. Um, and so walking in, giving them the benefit of the doubt and realizing, yes, we are on the same team. Yeah. As soon as you start to see them as the enemy, ooh, it's time to pause yeah. and recalibrate. Yeah. No, I, I think all that is well said. The, the, one, the one little thing that I'll just add in is, um, Lauren, you talked earlier about sometimes you need sort of like a timeout. Sometimes you need to just stop and pray. Yeah. There's something about praying together that recalibrates that's like, we are we're a husband and wife. We're also brother and sister before God. God humbles our hearts. So, um, but but I love what you both shared. And and so the the final question, Lauren, I'd love for you to lead mm. us off on this one. <laughs> um, and I loved this question. It was about how do we as husbands and wives walk through the different stages of marriage? Um, I mean, fifty four years. You guys have been through newlyweds, young kids, teenagers, empty nest, grandparenting. Um, I, I'd love, you know, it, Summer and I will both figure out something to say on this, maybe. <laughs> sure. But but I, I'd love for you just to share, you know, we, we want couples who are in it for the long haul, who aren't saying, well, that that was the wife that I raised kids with, but now this is the wife I'm doing retirement with. Yeah. Um, it, what would you share with us in walking through those different stages? Oh, I just want to stay in the honeymoon stage. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to me, that was kind of the stage of ignorance. I had no clue what marriage was going to be like. Uh, I hope we're in, and I think we're in, what I call the mature love stage. That we've gone beyond the disappointments because uh, what attracted her to me now drives her nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what attracted me to her now drives me nuts. <laughs> and to realize, oh, that's going to happen. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be uh, 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 things that just uh, that I never expected. And how? what's a mature person, especially a spiritually mature person do? Uh, I need to love this spouse unconditionally. Sure. I need to respect her or him. I've got to open up, don't clam up. I've got to do that. Uh, also, I think important in some of the stages, I think one of the challenging stages was the kids. As you said, Summer, how busy it can be. One, two, three kids. One's enough. Yeah. You get two or three or you get them spread out and toddlers or the teenage years have its own issues of doing that. I think something that I think has helped us through all of this is the most important thing we could give in any stage, especially in the stage where it seems much of the time is given to the kids, is to give them a mother and father that love each other. And so we're going to spend time loving each other. And I, th I think we're in a culture where the kids tend to be the middle of the focus for everything. Mm -hmm. And so the world revolves around all of your kids, their choices, their school, their events. And you end up, when you get to the, the senior years, you don't really know each other because you spent no time getting to love each other. You were spending pouring into your kids. And so uh, that to me, that's just a real, real challenge. How can we make at every stage that, honey, other than our relationship to God, this is the most important thing. Not Emily, not Ryan, not Melanie. That's my three adult kids. <laughs> that, that they are important, but that is not the key. Mm -hmm. 
And I think being involved in a church, being involved with other healthy couples mm-hmm. that we can have this has, has helped us through those stages. Oh, you too? <laughs> you're, you're challenged here. Oh, okay, this is That's not cool. abnormal. How do we deal this? So I know a couple that worships together, a couple that serves together have a much better chance of making it long term. Something we adopted years ago and we realized we hadn't done it is that we date weekly. We actually put it on the calendar because mm-hmm. if you don't put it down, you don't do it. And I can actually call up and somebody says, can I do this? No, I already have a commitment. We like to retreat quarterly. Mm-hmm. When my son had no money and he was married, they retreated to the backyard with a Coleman tent. <laughs> he got his wife out of the daily things you talked about and said, no, we're going out here. We're going to go out here and do this. And then we had to learn the difference between a family vacation and vacation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? I love family. I love family, whether that's with the in-laws or the outlaws or uh, brothers and sisters, or a large family. Those are good, but that is not just you two. Mm-hmm. And so we've tried to be religious about having family vacation and having vacation. And that could be with your kids. But it also might mean a retreat that I'm stealing her away to San Diego for one night. Mm-hmm. Just to keep that and making sure the most important thing. We just love uh, the last stage, uh, this stage in our life. We call it the legacy stage. How can we take things, first of all, model for our kids that they see mom and dad, even at this age, loving each other, digging each other very much. But then also, how can we pass on these wonderful things that we have learned? So we're trying to build a legacy in our, especially our grandkids and our great grandkids. I don't know if that touched the chapters, but that's that's what came to mind. Yeah. Well, and Summer, there was something you said earlier in the week when we were chatting about that I found really helpful, um, where you're talking about how we can um, we can start wishing we were at mm-hmm. a different stage. Mm. Yeah. So um, I actually I listened to the Lazy Genius and Kendra Dachi had talked about um, living the season that you're in. And she was referring to like your household and things like that. But I, I apply it very much to to marriage. Um, but we, if I'm, I'm currently in a season where I've got an eight-year-old little boy, we've got a whole lot of sports, we've got a whole lot of school, and um, there's just a lot of chaos. Um, and if I start wishing or longing and looking back and saying, gosh, uh, do you remember the days where we just couldn't keep our hands off of each other? And why can't we go back there? And we're trying to live like we're in those days. We're going to hit a wall. We're going to hit a wall. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to be um, not on the same page. And we're going to start getting resentful. So, but we have those things, those past years of not being able to keep our hands off of each other, to be able to fuel us into this season, to be able to look back and to remember and to to um, be excited about those things, but to make some new accommodations to live out this season well. So it might mean a few more meals that we eat on the road as a family to be able to to do the things to get going. Um, it might mean that my husband and I bring our coffee to the to the to the hockey rink and go sit in a corner for a mm-hmm. half an hour um, and just chat and connect. But we're trying to be intentional, and I think that that word is really key in this: um, is to be intentional about living in the season that we're in. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, one thing I would want to add, and I, I love all of this, is just one of the things that's been really exciting for me and Karina is when we start talking about the future seasons with joy together. You know, it's like we're we're in, you know, we're, you know, we we've got a senior in high school and then a freshman in high school and then a fifth grader. So we're like, all right, we're still in the raising and God willing launching our kids yes. out, you know, for for several more years in this. And and that's been rich. But when we start to talk about like, all right, what's it gonna be like if if God still has us both alive and sort of, you know, relatively healthy when it's time for me to stop pa uh, pastoring full time? What is that gonna be like? And are we gonna go overseas? And, mm -hmm. and are we gonna do interim work? Are we gonna speak together? And you know, you know, do do you think that we'll, you know, how and what what do we want to be like as grandparents? And what's important to us? Um, talking about that now, now, you could you could fall into the danger you're warning about of starting to long for a season you're not yet in. Mm -hmm. But but for me, this has been such a positive thing because it's also caused me to think about what is it going to look like for me as a husband to Karina when we're in that different phase? Mm -hmm. um, what What is it going to look like for me to be a husband to her um, when, when she's going through, you know, when, when we're going through the empty nest phase? Yeah. What's it going to be like for me to be a husband to, for her if she's experiencing health problems, which most of us do as, as we get older? And so um, it's been helpful to have that positive sense of looking forward. Um, I, I know for some, you could get into an unhealthy sort of, you know, destination disease where you're always longing for the next stage. But I found it so helpful just to say, you know, we, we get married and we say till death do us part in sickness and in health for richer and for poorer. And we want to have the beauty of that long-term marriage where we walked through the different stages. Um, I don't know who first said it, but some guy said, you know, my wife has been married to seven different men and they all are me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that idea that you, you walk through those different phases. And I've just found a lot of joy in us as a couple in our 40s being able to talk about what's it going to be like? What's, what's marriage going to be like when we're in our 50s, when we're in our 60s? You know, God, God willing, when we're in our 70s, however long this goes. And that, I think, helps us to have that perspective instead of getting there and sort of being surprised and saying like, oh, well, we didn't anticipate that one day our kids wouldn't be at home or we didn't anticipate that one day I'd be retired and, you know, now you're not sure you want me around. Just just those sorts of things. But but to start to talk and dream about those in a very positive way and look forward to the model of Christ and the church that we get to be over this course of however many decades the Lord gives us here on this earth. You know, I think so. I can't speak for all guys, but maybe this is a general thing. I think us guys have to be aware of... Uh, uh, like when Summer takes her son for the very first time to school, f for a typical guy is, oh, no big deal. Come on, buck it up, Bucky. Where uh, my, as my wife has reviewed in front of me the things of uh, when they all the kids have left the house, and wh what was her worth, and now what's her role? I didn't get it then. Mm -hmm. I get it now. So I think uh, us guys need to be really aware of our wives' as seasons as well, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And and I think the gals need to know, we just don't get it. So <laughs> so have, have no fear of telling us, here's what I'm walking through. I'm, I'm sending my last child to high school, or this mm -hmm. is my last graduation. We're thinking, oh, goodness, we don't have to pay, or they graduate from college. Good, no more tuition. Right. <laughs> <laughs> last payment. And she's going, oh, my goodness. Or uh, your son or your daughter's getting married. And, uh, and so I think there has to be some great communication about those chapters in a marriage as well. And I would say, I think most guys, we don't get it. Yeah, we need a little help on that one. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I would I would also say I think that there's a whole lot of benefit to having um, a a well trusted. Uh, couple that's a season ahead of you yes. and a season behind you that's because great. that season behind you they're gonna they're gonna fuel you in a different way and that season ahead of you they're gonna um they're gonna impart some wisdom <sighs> it's so helpful yes absolutely yes yeah well well thank you but i, I just want to say thanks about thanks so much summer and thanks so much lauren for joining on this we know we, we could talk for a long we did talk for a long yeah time. yeah it's been we long could time. we could talk for a lot longer but part of the reason why we we've given some episodes to this subject is just because we know how important marriage is where, where it's this it's the picture of christ in the church mm-hmm. not every believer is going to be married but Every believer who is married is part of showing this off to the world. So this is not just about us saying we want to be more harmonious in our marriages. This is about the gospel going out. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just knowing the number of couples in our church and then maybe others who are listening to this who are just saying, we want to do this well. We need some help. So so I really want to thank you both for helping to do this. Um, And thank you, all of you who took the time to listen and to watch. Um, We put all the episodes of the Christian Contrast up on um, YouTube. And so you can find it there on our Life Bible Fellowship Church page. And you can also find the episodes just on our website on lbf.church. You may have comments, questions. I I like to go back and look at the comments on the videos and sometimes interact if people have something to interact with. So if you have a question or a comment, don't hesitate to put it on there. Um, And I just encourage you to go ahead and check out other episodes of The Christian Contrast to help learn about how we walk with Jesus in a way that shows that Jesus may makes a difference in our lives and transforms us so that we're living different than the world around us. So thanks so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll see you again in two weeks with the next episode.